This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. All great gurus had partners and mentors. Guru Jay had such a partner. He would like to think, he meaning me, would like to think a peer. He happens to be the smartest, most accomplished political analyst, practitioner, only in the world, Doug Schoen. My friend, our guest, next live, Excelsior. Welcome back, my radio family, my broadcast partners, and my friends. We are the Blaze Radio Network. Doug Schoen, while still an undergraduate at Harvard, was a little too talented and ambitious to wait to graduate and then graduate summa cum laude from the Harvard Law School, which he did. As an undergraduate, he was already deeply involved at the uppermost levels of national and international politics and has since and continues to be the most uh, clever, astute, political analyst, pollster, advisor, uh, which services he delivers to captains of industry and heads of state, no fooling around, uh, around the globe, and uh, probably was... the person of three or four in the room at two o'clock in the morning uh, during the entire Clinton era, uh, uh, perhaps Bill Clinton's and Hillary Clinton's most trusted advisor. He is the principal of Douglas P. Schoen and Partners, uh, again, the best polling and research company in corporate and political politics in the world. Um, As for our friendship, I will stick with my characterization. Uh, We remain, I hope he will affirm, as close as two heterosexual men can be because we have shared hockey season tickets. Doug, welcome back. Jay, when I think of you, I think of introductions that are too kind, but also a friendship that is just as deep as you described it to be. I am always pleased to be a guest on your show. Thank you, Doug. Doug, you've only got a few minutes, which is understandable. Even I've got a couple of hours here, and I don't know where to begin. I I, I, I guess the best way to do this, because I know you'll be as candid as you are at liberty to be, is to to let me ask the witness this. What the hell is going on? Okay. Easy to answer quickly. More difficult to answer 
in a long form way. Right. Because well, I leave it to the, you. Yeah. In the short form, people are angry. They are angry on the left, and they want redistribution, break up the banks, uh, free tuition, free health care, all of that. On the right, they're angry, and they want government out of their lives. They believe government is corrupt, inefficient, ineffective, and they're vote, voting for whatever outsiders they can find, Trump, Cruz, uh, if there are other candidates, Ben Carson. They're looking to change the system. Put another way, Jay, the message that you have brought to radio and television for some 15 or 20 years now is now broadly accepted in the American electorate as being the principal basis for analysis of our current plight. People you are mean blogs have more fun? They always do, and we both know that. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's absolutely true, and that's the next job. But <laughs> candidly, the level of rage in this country towards the elites is so strong that uh, when I talk to the elites who are in New York or Beverly Hills or Southern California, they just don't really get the degree to which people feel that this is a rigged game against them, against middle Americans, and against the kind of progress the American dream has always promised all of us. And Doug Schoen, this is the quintessence, is it not, of Donald Trump's appeal to those to whom he does appeal? That is precisely it. It's also the appeal of Ted Cruz to those he appeals. They obviously have different backgrounds and different approaches. But candidly, what you have offered your viewers and listeners for so many years, particularly at a time, Jay, when you were a lonely voice, when people said you were too radical, too extreme, too (laughs) out there. You know what? The American electorate is saying, Mr. Severin, you were right. We see it as you do. Thank you for being there for us always. That is Well, as long as... Doug, that that is speaking of too kind and generous. There, there is there is the repetition of a sin. But uh, uh, so long as it doesn't uh, parallel me in some way with Donald Trump, who I know you know, whom I know not as well. Uh, but I do have a problem with his candidacy in in that uh, a thesis of, of this show recently has been a moment. Uh, you have young children. I do. There was a moment. Uh, to make a long story very very short. Several months ago, when a network show was on, I figured it'd be safe. We were watching it as a family. And Miley Cyrus came out and simulated serial sex with a number of men on stage. And I was jaw agape looking around the room, rattling my brain for something avuncular that I could say that might be appropriate at the moment. And my little girl turned to me as if reassuring me and saying, twerking, daddy. It's twerking. So she already knew. And and Doug, to me, I look at something and I shake my head at the at the latest thing usually uttered uh, by Donald Trump. And I just shake my head and say twerking. Right. Nothing happens in a vacuum. Our political culture is derivative of our culture. Right. And our culture has been degraded for years. It's like when my six year old asked me during the Lewinsky uh, scandal what the significance of the blue dress was, and I told him later, much later. But candidly, we are now at a point where Trump, Cruz, Sanders, all are a reflection of a breakdown of very, very core values in our society that we both, from different perspectives, 
hold dear. This is not to say I'm for Trump or Cruz or Hillary. Truth be told, I, I, I'm not for any of them. But what I am for is a common sense America where our traditional values are held dear, reaffirmed, and the promise that you and I grew up with is realized for our children and our children's children. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I, um, the glue is, seems to be missing. It's a breakdown of our yes. institutions. The Correct. things that, whether we were left, right, Republican or Democrat, and everyone was growing up. Everyone knew who everybody was. It wasn't that big a deal. doesn't mean you weren't friends with them. But everyone knew, oh, he's, he's, that kid's from a Republican family. That kid's from a Democrat family. Or this kid's a Protestant. This kid's a Jew. Big deal. Um, but we were all Amer- we were Americans in that there was an adhesive of certain core principles that we had in common, no? Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing, Jay, you could be a liberal and have traditional values. You yes. could be a conservative and understand that people disagreed with your approach. And everybody could move, could move forward with a common purpose, that we were the city on a hill with unique values, with a new, unique role in the world, and now that's all gone. And to have a president who goes to Cuba while the world is under assault in Brussels sickens me whether I'm a liberal, a moderate, or conservative, a Republican, or a Democrat. It just just sends me, Jay. Doug Schoen is our guest, and we only have a couple more minutes with him. Doug, um, to return for a moment to Donald Trump, the phenomenon, yep. not to beat up yep. on him, but strictly from an analytical standpoint. Sure. It seems, it seems to me that, as, as in the adage, the worse, the better, that for Donald Trump, what seems to supersede everything else is the more he can make people believe that things are crappy, then the more the universal understanding, quote unquote, is, yeah, everything is crappy. It's getting crappier and it's the fault of the people above me. You know, and and I'm angry. I'm angry at everybody and everything. And so every time Donald Trump says something is rigged, that just strikes an emotional chord. Well, that is right, because you know what? Putting Donald Trump out of the equation, it is rigged. Ted Cruz has said the same thing. Carly Fiorino, Ben Carson, they all said the same thing. I, I, you know, there are aspects of what Trump has done, which I approve of others that I disapprove of. But for today... My point is to validate your analysis, your role as a commentator, I dare say, a seer. And your listeners should understand that you have been on the cutting edge of what's going on in America, as I said, for 15 to 20 years in a way that very few have been. You're too modest to say it yourself, Jay, but I think it is left to your friends to say, but for you, this would be a less rich analytical or political culture. Uh, Doug, you're very kind, and I'm not sure. The one thing I'm not sure about is that I'm too modest to say. Um, very quickly, in some ways, senior you are partner, but I love you for saying it. But you know, it's that. all true. Um, earlier, there was a guest moments ago. Uh, you may know him, senior partner. It's uh, Scad Narps, and, and and billed as one of the nation's specialists, such as there may be on uh, convention law, which I guess is almost an oxymoron. But he essentially said. As for wooing delegates, which is said to be a prospective strength of uh, some candidates more than others in the crunch, he said, and I'm paraphrasing closely, virtually any and all gifts or other inducements 
offered to a delegate in prospective consideration of their support or cooperation almost certainly violates statutes of the state in which the convention is being held and or the home state of the delegates, in theory at least, rendering the law relevant, if not unenforceable. What what do you think? I think that may be the case, but parties make their own rules, and they have a wide berth to make their own rules. And I would just tell you that I think we're going to see many blandishments thrown around in this process and very few prosecutions. Arizona is not going to send state troopers to try and storm the gates against Ohio state troopers to serve warrants against Arizona delegates. Precisely. Let's put it this way. There aren't going to be any raids in Morton's Steakhouse in Cleveland (laughs) taking away people's steak knives and uh, uh, cocktail sauce for their shrimp cocktail. Uh, Lastly, because I know it, I I, I know you've got a plane to catch, as we say. Uh, tomorrow, to the degree at which your liberty to be as candid as you, sure. you know, can. What, what do you What do you see happening in New York tomorrow sure. on both sides? Both sides. Qu- very quickly, Jay. Hillary Clinton will win by double digits, probably ten to twelve points. Donald Trump will get fifty two, fifty three. He'll win the lion's share, if not all the delegates. But Donald Trump is going to probably fall short in the convention. Hillary will not fall short. And I believe there will be a fight at the convention like we haven't seen since 68, which will only benefit the Democrats. Hopefully when I'm invited back, we can talk through that. Uh, Hopefully that will occur soon. And and lastly, rain jaws. Exactly, exactly. I'll be there tomorrow night rooting them on. Douglas Schoen, uh, Guru Doug, as as known throughout the rest of the world. Doug, thank you for taking time. Doug Schoen, um, he's the smartest. Uh, He's the smartest one in the room of a very, very big room. This is Jay Severin Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Real estate agents, I trust.com. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, my friends. That was Doug Schoen. Uh, where does, and I, uh, off to start running. Disclaimers now that the uh, the guest from whom you just heard did not appear for pay. This was not a paid endorsement, a paid appearance. Uh, I will die considerably happier, though I hope not quite as soon as it may look, uh, if a 
small percentage of the things Doug Schoen says he believes about me, he actually believes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the job. We are the Blaze Radio Network. That was Doug Schoen. He's the best in the world at what he does. He was earning seven figures while still a college student uh, involved at the uppermost regions of American and international politics. And uh, truly, truly a a boy wonder and a great guy. And uh, we'll have him back as often as his schedule permits. You could see him every Sunday. You could see him often on the Fox network, but you could see him uh, regularly. Uh, That is to say, I think every Sunday evening at 7 with Harris Faulkner when uh, she has on three people, two of whom ought to be there. Uh, It's really a pity that there's more than one person there. It ought to be the Doug Schoen show because when he speaks, that's when you like stop doing everything and you listen. Then they also have Pat Cadell of whom I believe that is less true than it used to be, though he's still a, a, a wicked, brilliant guy. And then they have another guy who I don't mean to uh, insult, but uh, that's when I make noise. When his segment comes up, that's, w- that's when I go to the bathroom or go you know, to the refrigerator or, <clears throat> or whatever. Uh, but so you heard what he had to say about tomorrow. I have a lot of things for us to discuss right now. I missed this one uh, with Doug, but uh, I can imagine his answer as probably you can. Donald Trump announced today that he wants to bring some pizzazz to the convention. See, Donald has moved on to the convention and he is upset as a executive producer in, in his capacity as executive producer of a television show, which he has been more than in name only, but less than the title might imply. But he's been in major television network production and principally involved with it. And already now he's complaining that, I'm not saying he's wrong, by the way, but I'm, but I'm saying suppose the Pope said, man, we need to get a new PR firm. You know, I mean, who, who are the guys that did, you know, you don't have to be Jewish to love Levy's or, you know, some of the great advertising campaigns. You know, I mean, I mean, it's like the Pope saying we got to we got to jazz things up around here. The public relations of the of the papacy has been really nowheresville, man. You know, this is strictly for squares. We need to jazz this up. Well, that's what Donald Trump is saying about the convention. It's too boring. We need to make it more of a television product. Now, I am not saying he's wrong. In the narrow confines, the context of his remarks, he's right. He's absolutely right. The question is, foolish, old-fashioned me, my question is, ought the front-running candidate for the presidential nomination of one of the two major American political parties be worried right now about this. And if he's worried about it, fine. But should he be blabbing it out loud? 
I mean, right now he may be sitting at home watching the news coverage of himself for the day, which doubtless he has his crew put together and he, you know, pops a button and he sees all of the coverage involving himself for that day. And he says, my ties, my ties don't pop. My ties don't pop. I need more vibrant colors in my ties. Note to self, get new neckties. The difference is Donald Trump not only thinks about that, which is fine. Donald Trump goes on television the next morning in prime time, prime morning time, and says, you know, I've been thinking about, forget the Soviets, I've been thinking about my neckties. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And the phone number, you might have wondered from time to time, what is that darn phone number of the Blaze Radio Network so I can call in and America can hear what I have to say? How about that, huh? Maybe you think America's rigged. It is, of course, depending on what you mean by the word rigged. one 888 900-3393. Right now, the best that's been explained by Donald Trump is America is rigged, but apparently the part that's rigged having to do with real estate, Donald Trump learned that part, I guess. But all of the other facets of American life are rigged. He didn't bother to learn those. I guess if you make $10 billion dollars, Uh, Having learned one dimension of the rigged American system, I guess that there's not a whole lot of inducement, a lot of incentive for you to go to night school or anything and learn about the other parts. Because I guess you figure 10 billion will probably last you a while. So Trump wants the convention coverage to be jazzier. I don't want my prospective next president of the United States in the middle of a campaign, in the middle of a big old mess where this nut from NOCO or Iran or the Soviets at any moment, we've got the Soviet Union running attack schemes on our fleet and giving us the finger out of the cockpit saying, just kidding, Ski. Can't take a joke, Ski? And uh, Trump's worried about the ratings already for the coverage of the Republican National Convention. Here's a headline I mentioned to Doug Schoen with us earlier in the hour. Maybe we'll replay that uh, later today. Well, maybe we won't. And we, with a two-hour show, we probably won't. But we'll play it. We'll, you know what? That's our podcast, Ty. Right? So our... Uh, so soon, if not next, our podcast, and so you can listen to the show, uh, sections thereof, whenever you like, go to soundcloud.com, soundcloud.com. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network is there 
via El Podcasto. Okay. Uh, five. Ty tells me 5.15 tonight. So it is a virtual replay, replay, replay of the Doug Schoen interview. And I said to him something I heard moments ago. They had a Skadnarps, uh, Meager, Flotsam, Botsam, Fletcher, and Jones. It, there's a longer, much longer title to Skadnarps, but it's one of the uh, whitest of white shoe. I mean that in every uh, applicable respect. Skadnarps is the, among the whitest of white shoe firms in American law. Uh, or as it used to say on the letterhead of uh, Cadwallader, Wickersham, and Taft, continuously operating at one maiden lane since 1604, which, you know, tends to create an impression if you've got a lot of money involved. So this partner from Skadnarps build as a convention specialist was on, and he essentially said this, virtually all gifts and or other inducements offered to delegates or attempted proffers of same in prospective consideration of their support, their vote, their cooperation, almost certainly violates felony statutes of the state in which the convention is being held, Ohio, and most likely the home states of the delegates. In theory, rendering this whole thing about wooing delegates an enormous criminal enterprise. If this were Rudy Giuliani, he would use RICO laws to go after the delegates. I'm not kidding. He'd use the racketeering law. That's what this is. This is, I mean, not this, this, but this qualifies. This is what the racketeering statutes were were, uh, formed to do. This meets, as far as I can tell, the general schematic, the the, uh, principles of the RICO laws. So it's going to be, it's been violated already 10,000 times in this campaign. It's going to be violated 100,000 times again during this campaign. And I don't think anybody's going to do a thing. I thought that when I copied down the words of the specialist uh, an hour ago, I became sure of my position when uh, Doug Schoen, who has seen it all, done it all, and is a summa cum laude graduate of the Harvard Law School, said, it ain't going to happen. They're not going to try to enforce these laws. Although it could be something, you know, people, he said, blandishments. People are going to rattle that saber. They're going to say privately, we're going to sue your asses. You know, we're going to not only, not only are we going to sue your asses, we're going to have to wait until after you get out of the penitentiary because we're really talking about criminal law here. The proffer to a delegate of some consideration, and consideration, as you know, in the legal sense means anything of value, money, trips, meals, hookers, or in listed in the order of value and currency that they are used in politics, hookers, hookers, and hookers. Uh, the, the proffer of any such inducements are felonies. But you know what? I don't think it's going to matter. I, I think we'll see it on the news but I don't think we'll see any indictments on the news. All right. 
I have very mixed feelings in sharing the following with you. The reason I have mixed feelings is that this is the front page of yesterday's Boston Globe. Page one. It's in the center of page one. It's, it's, It's a half of page one, literally half of page one, is this enormous color photograph of Donald Trump and uh, beauty pageant, and you should you should apply the broadest possible understanding of the word beauty that you have when I say beauty pageant contestants here from uh, a, uh, a a contest that Donald Trump dreamed up and put on, and this is how he worked his way, by the way, into the public consciousness outside the business realm of New York City, you know, because now he did for years. I think he recently gave up. Did he not just recently gave up the Miss Universe pageant? But he revived it. He owned it for years. And before that, he dreamt one up. He didn't own one of the big ones. So he created one called uh, called uh, American Dream, I think it was. Anyway, I'm about to read to you Two paragraphs of the Sunday Boston Globe, page one story with this enormous photograph of Donald and these hook, uh, beauty pageant contestants. And I do it with mixed feelings for this reason. I really do. The Boston Globe, as I slide down the banister of life, I will recall the Boston Globe as a splinter in my ass. Uh, particularly... Because when I was in New York and broadcasting to uh, New England and the nation from New York, the Boston Globe, you know, they didn't care. They didn't know or care who I was. The day I moved my family to the Boston area, they came after me with the tongs, the fiery tongs of hell, doing their very worst, and their worst is bad to try and assassinate me. I actually had, and long story very short, my first child was playing, had a play date at that era of life. She was seven, maybe. She was at a friend's house. And the father, who uh, was an attorney, who didn't like me, rattled the paper. It was a Saturday. Saturday or Sunday morning, he rattled the newspaper and snuffed and said, so, um, Janie, would you like to see what the Boston Globe says about your daddy today? And she came home in tears. Not because she really understood anything that the Boston Globe had said, but because everyone else in that house did or pretended to And laughed out loud at her daddy. And so, by extension, at her. Which, were I prosecuting malicious acts against children, I would have prosecuted this guy. That's the sort of thing, writ large, that was the reception I got in Boston. And the reception I got in Boston the reception I've had in Boston, not by my audience, 
but by all the liberals here, which is only a number, you know, equivalent to the population of the state of Texas, you know, this, the reception that I got here was largely set. The table was set by the Boston Globe. And I will never complain about anything true or anything that's a matter of opinion, no matter how awful I may think it to be, because that's it. Truth is truth, and opinion is opinion, and I, it's none of my business what they think of me. It's my business to shut up and take it. But the Boston Globe lied about me repeatedly to the extent that once, do you know how long it's been since the Boston Globe had to, re, had to print an apology and a retraction to something they said in their newspaper? Well, they did for me. I almost wish they hadn't because we'd still be in court over this 15 years later. But eventually... I I would have walked away with $100 million. But I have mixed feelings about sharing this with you because it comes from the Boston Globe. However, it is on the front page of the Boston Globe. And it's an accusation about a major party candidate. And though I think it flimsy, It's not my job either to censor. So my own personal sensitivities or bruised feelings vis-a-vis the Boston Globe ought not play a role such that I don't tell you about this because I say, well, here's the Boston Globe doing this again uh, only to someone else. Well, the problem is this is different. This is a U.S. presidential campaign. And this is the leading candidate of one of the two parties, therefore. And a, and, a, and a, so far as I know, a good and decent writer, Matt Viser, wrote this piece. So on balance, my choices are not tell you about this for reasons aforementioned, or treat it like it was anybody else in any other paper and tell you about it. I've decided on the latter. Straight ahead, the first of what I'm sure is many personal accusations against Donald Trump uh, being a playboy and a scumball just ahead. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. And you, my partners, the best and brightest here on the Blaze Radio Network, 1 3393. With mixed feelings, here it is from the Boston Globe. Sunday, Boston Globe, page one, the biggest story in the paper. Donald Trump piled into his limousine with a group of pin-up calendar models dressed in skimpy dresses. 
It was a snowy night in Manhattan, and the festive group was embarking on a circuit of exclusive clubs after a sumptuous dinner at the Plaza Hotel. As the limo wove through the city, Trump discussed his views on dating, according to one of the women in the car. The billionaire casino mogul declared that, quote, all women are bimbos, end quote, and said most were also, quote, gold diggers, end quote, who would be smart to go after men with money like him. Rhonda Noggle, a model who relayed the story to the Globe in an interview, said that at that point, speaking sharply to Trump, she said, stop the limo. The car grew silent. I told him, this is a quote, I told him I would rather be with a trash man who respected me than someone who was a rich, pompous ass. And so I got out and I took a cab ride. Uh, dot, 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 close quote. Story goes on to describe behavior which uh, I, as a single man, in very general, might have been guilty of. And that I mean being caught in a limo late at night with good-looking girls. But um, even the Boston Globe can't find quotes of me saying all women are bimbos and gold diggers. But they found one to say it about Donald Trump. I bring it to you with mixed feelings. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest. We are the Blaze Radio Network. And whew, I am glad that someone's worrying about the television coverage of the Republican National Convention and, you know, making it less about Jefferson. Because, come on, who wants to know about any of that? And more about twerking. Excelsior. Here we are, my partners, on the Blaze Radio Network on the eve of the New York State primary. And some people are worried about matters of minutia, like delegates, when they ought to be worried about the opening act for the Republican National Convention on television. Do you know they had Donnie and Marie Osmond booked to open and, and Trump has since fired them? And given the opening act to Miley Cyrus and Snoop Dogg, come on, someone's got to be worried about this stuff. Today, standing in front of a group of police officers, now you either have seen the video or may soon see the video, you tell me, I thought some of them looked a bit uncomfortable, a bit uncomfortable. When Donald Trump strayed from what was the original text, if there was such a thing, 
into this. I'm paraphrasing very closely. If this is stolen from me, there's going to be a lot of trouble in Cleveland. I hope there won't be. By the way, that's, there's there's a translation of this available in English, which is, nice family you got there. The pity if anything happened to them, you know? There's going to be a lot of trouble in Cleveland. I hope there won't be, Andrea. Andrea! Andrea! But I think there will be. I hope there won't be violence. But there could be. I hope there isn't. But this system is rigged. 100% crooked. 100% rigged. Tell me again about the rabbits, George. Tell me again about the rabbits. Uh, This was said in front of police officers who were endorsing him. And it could be my imagination or it could be that they looked a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, But it's it's up for everyone to uh, judge. I have two matters to raise here. Uh, I think I've raised them both before, but they warrant a reconsideration. One, I mean, by you and for you, because of the audience you are, because of the citizen you are, because of the person you are, accept this challenge to consider this. Number one, recognize that whatever else he's doing or failing to do, Donald Trump is absolutely willing to persuade you endlessly willing to persuade you that the United States of America's political system, our constitutional lawful system that rules our politics, our electoral system, is rotten to the core. Fidel Castro, cum of some young guy, uh, Muhammad Ali there in Iran, and uh, Pushkin all believe, all have, all share the same estimation of America's political system as Donald Trump does. It's shite, it's rotten, it's corrupt, it's 100% crooked. Those are quotes of Donald Trump. Those are quotes not six hours old. So the guy running for president tells you that America's political system is crap, crooked, corrupt, awful, criminal, rigged. And the more he barks this, the more people lap it up. And number two, what I want to know is when federal officials, including the federal official that Trump is endeavoring to become, they must take an oath that says, I swear by God Almighty to preserve, protect, and defend. To preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Okay. Donald Trump 
is seeking a job which will require him to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States against himself. Because if Donald Trump is running for office by denouncing and renouncing the lawful constitutional process that we have in various states, the citizenry of the various states have decided that they will run their primaries, cockeye, straw polls, delegate selection, whatever it is, has been absolutely lawfully put in place and practiced. Tell me where it hasn't. one 888 Want to shut me up? one 888 I have a, a, a message here from Denise who says to me, Cruz is stealing delegates today. And by the way, uh, however, you, whatever verb you wish to employ, there were 90 delegates up, I, I, I believe, this weekend, and Cruz took them, almost all of them again. However many there, there were, Cruz took almost all of them again, and the reason he did was because he sought out a circumstance where a lawful constitutional process was in play, He read the rules, he understood the rules, and like the great general manager of a football team franchise or a basketball franchise, he understood the rules, played by the rules, and kicked the other side's ass within the rule book. But here we have a candidate who is running by denouncing and renouncing the very system he will be swearing an oath to preserve, protect, and defend. Does this not make Donald Trump... uh, Forgive me, but you know what? Don't. Does this not make Donald Trump, if we just connect the dots, if we just connect the dots, does this not possibly make Donald Trump a domestic enemy of the Constitution of the United States? Does this sound like someone who is prepared to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution and its processes and its laws? It's all rotten. It's all... See, it's... To say that the system sucks, that's fine. I mean, it's not fine. It's not great. But it's different. The system sucks. The system could be better. The system needs to be changed. All of that is fine. But the system is stealing from you. The system is cheating you. The system is stealing from me. It's stealing your vote. It's 100% crooked. It's 100% crap. It's 100% corrupt. Our current lawful political system is 100% corrupt. And crooked? Does, the, does this sound to you like someone 
eager to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States? Please, before it's too late, I understand things get excited and excitable in political campaigns. I know because it's all I know. It's all I've done with my life. God forgive me. But it's, it's, and I, I, I'm, I'm begging you, and I think very, very, very few of you, but I'm begging those of us who don't, maybe this is our first rodeo and we don't get this. You, 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 you don't, you ought not become president of the United States by persuading people that the United States is crooked. Now, that it needs to be improved? Absolutely. That it's not responsive to the voters? Okay. That you have a better idea? Splendid. That you're going to change it radically? Swell. Grand. Keen. Go do it. But to base your appeal for the highest office in the land by validating the view of the American political system held by Castro, uh, by uh, Ahmed Houdini, Ahmed Luger, Ahmed, and by Pushkin, and by Kumusam Yungai? No. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. Come on, someone has to have a complaint. I won't even demand a remedy of you. Just a complaint. one 3393 Why don't we get any Trump supporters here? How come all known, and I all here with an asterisk, virtually all known conservatives who are on the radio are for Ted Cruz. They are separately against Donald Trump. Why do you suppose that is? Why do you suppose that is? Also, and I've talked to some of my friends who are in this business, and they are conservatives, almost all of them libertarian conservatives and lifelong libertarian conservatives, they don't know anybody who's for Trump. And that, I mean, that, what does that mean? It means nothing. It only means within the narrow confines of my observation and editorial comment here. It's really a question. Why are there no conservative radio hosts for Trump? And why are they all for Cruz? Why? I'm asking honestly. I mean, not entirely honestly, because I think I do know the answer, but what I, you know, I think I know the answer to everything. So uh, is no different. Maybe I'm wrong. First time for everything. Why do you suppose that is? Why do you suppose there are no conservatives supporting Donald Trump? 
Do you ever wonder about that? And then here on this show, where we could not be more welcoming of anyone with any viewpoint, I, I, I long for a dissenting viewpoint. I, I, I really, truly, I do. And you know you'll be treated well. Nobody here throws the first stone. Well, that's, I mean, nobody here, nobody here at the blaze. I'm certainly not going to throw any, I'm not going to cast any stones. I will, I will defend myself, but what do you think? If you support Trump, I'm going to call you a name. I, why don't we hear, why don't we hear from Trump supporters on this show? Don't you want to promote your guy? Don't you want to argue in favor of your guy? Don't you want to pick out? Think of it. Think how grateful any candidate is to anybody if they give him $1,000. Do you know if you support Donald Trump or anybody else, if you call up right now, do you know how much the time would be worth in advertising that you will donate to your candidate for free? Right now, it's the free advertising line. one 888 Maybe you are frustrated that more people don't see Trump the way you do. Maybe you feel that if more people saw Trump the way you do, more people would support him. The free Trump national advertising line is one 3393 I'm not looking for a fight. I am looking for an argument. And if you don't want to argue on this particular case, I'm going to make an exception. If you don't want to argue, we won't argue. I'll just give you a minute of free national advertising time, free, to tell us why it is we ought to be for Trump. Now, I can't tell you I won't ask you questions, as you can always ask me, but I, I, we don't need to fight. I don't want to fight. I want to argue. Ty, tell me again. Aaron, from my, depending on how you do the, the chart, my uh, kinfolk home state of Indiana. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, Indiana's Hi. correct. But anyway, um, I would call it stealing votes if they all of a sudden handed over to Kasich at the convention. You know, but... I do me a favor because I think we need to do this. You tell me if tell me if you disagree. Before we start throwing around terms and making deductions therefrom, why don't we define what we mean by theft? Right, stealing equals theft. What what is a theft in this context to you? You write the law, Aaron's law. You tell me. Theft is theft occurs when. Kind of like how I view income taxes theft. 
<laughs> well, you see, you forced me into the uncomfortable position uh, of, of disagreeing with you, my friend, because the, the government does have the right to tax. It does not have the right yeah. to tax at a confiscatory level, which it is now doing, but it does have the right to tax. Uh, what we argue about, not you and I, but you know what what Americans argue about is what's an appropriate level. So, what is theft here? And I, let me propose, for the sake of time, theft would be the promise or acquisition of votes by other than legal means, right? Correct. So, if the theft, quote unquote, that Donald Trump claims of votes of delegates in Colorado is because the Cruz people read the, the pamphlet and went out there a year ago and started to work the refs, you know, or in this case, actually work the delegates. And the Trump campaign either threw that mail away or decided they didn't need to do it. There's certainly no theft there. But I'm not arguing with that fact, but if they hand it to Kasich, or hand it to Paul Ryan or somebody who does not deserve the delegates. Okay, your original point, fair enough. Well, <laughs> again, we would disagree, and here's why. And if you'd like to do this more, I would love to do it, Aaron. If you have the moment, the satellite's going to send us to North Korea in a second where they won't understand us. But if you will hold the line uh, graciously for a couple of moments, we could continue this. And I would like to... I'd like to hear more of what, of your thoughts, and I'd like to tell you why I think that whatever they do in Cleveland, it's almost impossible to break the rules. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Severin Show. And on the Blaze Radio Network, this is our partner, Aaron. And Aaron, thank you graciously for holding over. Uh, Jay, before uh, we get too far away from the beginning of the show where you mentioned twerking, uh, twerking I wanted yeah. to mention that I tweeted you a picture of uh, before twerking, there was the crybaby. And it has a picture of a girl crying on the ground there. And is that's that from today? Yeah, I just that tweeted today? you that. All right, I'm going to look back. I don't minutes. remember it, but I'm going to look back and, 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 and try yeah. my best to find it before the end of the show. All right, Aaron, do you, do you trust me when I say to you here, I'm, not, I'm an honest broker. I am not trying yeah. to uh, – I'm an honest broker. I'm not trying to trick you or uh, lawyer you or anything like that. I'm honestly trying to arrive at a – you know, yeah, a conclusion I don't see about you this as stuff. All right. So together we're we're here. We're we're no one's trying to trick anybody. All right. Before we broke, Aaron, you said that if and you went back to your original point, fair enough. Uh which yeah. which which was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the theft, quote unquote, would occur if the convention ignored the people with the votes and the delegates and installed its own candidate, Kasich or yeah. And I take it you also mean Romney or Ryan or <clears throat> Rubio or anybody else. Well, it's because uh, 
if you go back to uh, the other election that was also brokered, which was Gerald Ford and uh, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, 1976, yeah. Yeah, and Gerald Ford still won it, but... Well, they fought like they fought like hell for it, <clears throat> and got it. But I mean, we're 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 in agreement on the point that your your claim is yeah. the crime. Let's not get hung up on the definition of theft. The crime, the injustice, as I think we can agree, the injustice yeah. that you claim would occur if someone other than what Trump or Cruz got the nomination. Yeah, I pretty much agree there. I mean, because all right, no, no, I, it's a question, <clears throat> not a statement. So I'm, I'm asking you. No one would, else would, would even would close. Would you contend that an injustice had occurred if anybody other than Trump or Cruz got the nomination? I would think that they uh, refused to uh, do the will of the American people. All right. Here's where I think we dis- disagree and maybe can come to an understanding. The Republican Party was not founded, does not operate to fulfill the hopes and dreams of historians or Democrats or partisans within its own party. It is not a public trust. It ain't a federal agency. It is not bound by or subject to the laws that govern where you and I go to work every day or all of these other things that you could say, hey, but wait a second, that ain't fair, that ain't right. You know, there, there, yeah. there's probably a law against this. There probably is, but not one that applies to your local golf club. Not the public course, but the private club. The private golf club can tell you, you have to wear a tie and a blazer at dinner or take a walk. And you may not like that, in which case you can quit, you can not eat dinner, you can bring your complaint to the membership committee or the rules committee, okay, whatever. But the country club is not a public trust. The Republican National Committee ain't ain't a public trust. They're not there to write a happy story or to please me or you. They're, they're not a public trust. They're a private company for, for private reasons with selfish and a selfish agenda. And that agenda is self-preservation, number one. And coincidentally, number two, the election of people who share you know, their political agenda. But I still view it as a possible death to the Republican Party if they decide. Oh, no, to no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Well, you're getting ahead of us, though. I'm not. We're not yet at the point that we're talking about the after effect. I'm just trying yeah. to talk now about the process in the present and in the immediate yeah. future. The, the Republican Party isn't there to please me or to please you. It's there to continue to exist as an organism. You know, it's going to fight like a wolverine. It's going to chew off its own foot, you know, to get out of that trap. And so are the Republicans. Now, what they view as chewing off their own foot, I don't know. I happen to think there is, I'm 
actually, to, to drive sideways here for a second, I'm actually, Aaron, beginning to place some stock in the school of thought that says they're prepared to lose with Cruz. Because I mean, I realize it would take bur- probably it would what? take probably every one of you talk show hosts to uh, develop another party in place. Like, well, here's 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 a more a direct motive. Or Green Party or whichever. But here's here's a more direct motive to the Republicans. What is the thing that has plagued the establishment Republicans, the Rhinos, the most in the last ten, fifteen years? Us. I'd probably say conservatives as well. I'd say conservatives. I'd say the biggest worry, yeah. the biggest pain in the ass to the Republican Party, the establishmentarians in the last generation has been we conservatives, we real Republicans. And there is a school better? of thought that says there's a school of thought that says if we're going to lose, and a lot of people in that building I've been in 10,000 times that Republican National Committee building. A lot of them believe it's gone, that we're not winning. Well, to put a better point, we're not. It would probably be your own boss's tea party that. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. And well put. No. But my, my point or, or the the school of thought, the one to which I'm warming in terms of it's being plausible, is that. The Republicans have gotten in a room, I mean the real, the real shot callers, have gotten in a room and said, you don't have a name on that list that's going to beat Hillary. Of course, so he doesn't actually two birds. claim ownership to the Tea Party. He, he claims no, the no, owner. No, so. no they, they, they loathe it. The, 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 the rhinos loathe it. That's what I'm saying. That's their enemy. So yeah. let's kill two birds with one stone. If we know, if we can swallow hard and accept that we're going to lose – that we don't have anybody who's going to beat Hillary. Nobody we have is going to beat Hillary. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that if you believe that, and I think, in theory, there are a lot of people at the RNC who do believe that, that the cause is, is the, the short-term cause, i.e. winning this election, is lost. So if we're going to lose, how do we maximize our loss, as queer as that sounds? How do we turn, you know... A chicken shite into chicken salad, at least the best we can. And the, That's and not the what angle. I'm really worried about, Jay. I mean, it, it, I'm worried about if, if they turn it over to somebody else, and even if they beat Hillary, the Republican Party is might as well wasted the vote. No, you're right. So the, uh, no, you're right about that. American you're right about that. You're just. Aaron, you're just a little ahead of me, and I'm trying to trying to catch up with you. Look, I've got to jump. I appreciate the call. Let me let me complete my statement by saying, there is a school of thought. It is not complicated. It is fairly evil, but it ain't complicated. And that is, if you are the shot callers among the Republicans, and you have decided, as that small potent group of shock callers, the innermost insiders, rhinos, establishmentarians that control the Republican Party. If you have decided you're going to lose the election, you say, okay, is there anything we can, having come to the very unattractive, 
the very unappealing conclusion that we're going to lose and there's nothing we can do about it. You don't have anybody on that piece of paper on your list that's going to beat Hillary. We're going to lose. If, if you accept that, and among the people who accept that, and they do exist, there's an angle that says, okay, if we're going to lose, here's how we make the most out of our loss. Let's lose with Cruz. Because if we lose with Cruz, we will, we're still going to lose. We don't want to lose. It's going to suck. But so long as we know we're going to lose, let's lose with Cruz because we will be able to say to the most pestering threat we have had for a generation, which comes from within our own party, the conservatives. And they've been saying for 20 years, you lost because you didn't run a real conservative. You lost because you didn't run a real conservative. You lost because you didn't run a real conservative. Election after election. So you know what? Let's run. Let's shut them up. Let's run a real conservative. Since we're going to lose anyway, let's let Ted Cruz be the nominee. Since it doesn't matter. So, so this school of thought goes. I'm not proposing it, I'm not defending it, I'm not advocating it, I'm observing the possibility it exists, which is, as long as we're going to lose, let's lose with a conservative so that we can turn around fresh and say in January, okay, conservatives, shut up for 50 years. You said we needed a conservative, we ran with a conservative. We got our asses kicked. So shut up and let's start doing it our way. If we run with Ted and lose with Cruz, if we lose with a conservative, it's going to at least hand a cudgel. It's going to hand a weapon to the rhinos to be able to say, to be able to argue, we did it your way and it doesn't work. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. my partners on the blaze radio network and god's willing and the creek don't rise we will be here tomorrow at the same time uh because we are on the eve of the new york primary may i mention something quickly first of all let me thank aaron for hanging in there uh, I, I hope we came to some kind of point may i make another here i'm receiving a considerable number of of tweets that say so I'm just supposed to give up and let the Republicans do whatever they want while they steal my vote. So I don't get a vote. This line of thinking is elusive to me. I, I, why do you think that? Did you sell your vote to the Republicans? Did they come in and take it while you were asleep? Like the tooth fairy? Did, did someone steal your vote? Would you check? Would you, where do you usually keep your vote? In your wallet? In the glove box, where you know, a secret place in the garage. Would you check and see if you still have your vote? Because I'm betting it's still where you left it. I don't think anyone came and stole it. You still have your vote. 
what the Republican Party decides to do does not steal your vote. Now, well, I know that a limited field of candidates, especially if it's limited to exclude the candidate you want, you feel aggrieved. I understand that. How do you think I feel? I'm not with you. Did I mention I started my sixth grade, uh, my my uh, my my grade school civics club and newspaper? I've been bitching and moaning about this for forty years. I, you know, I understand, but because the guy I want isn't the nominee of the party, I get it. That means that my guy ain't going to be president. But it doesn't mean that I don't have a vote. I mean, you can't tell me that the 5 million voters that were Republicans that stayed home when Mitt Romney ran, don't tell me that hasn't been a factor in this election. Because everybody I know on the professional side of this, and almost everyone I know who isn't on the professional side of it, is aware of the fact that 5 million Republicans stayed home rather than vote for Mitt Romney. The Republican Party's biggest battle has been within the Republican Party. It has been the comfortable rhinos against people who want change, against libertarian conservatives like us, who want libertarian conservatism, who want the Constitution of the United States to apply, who want to be, in short, left alone. We are leave-me-alone Republicans. What kind of Republican am am I? What kind of Republican are you? A leave-me-alone Republican. That's what kind we are. And I admit, when the Republican Party as a private enterprise, you know what? If Long John Silvers, if I pull up on Saturday afternoon and they don't have the fried haddock special that I want, that sucks. Because I'm not going to have my fried haddock sandwich. Because they decided not to put it on the menu. But that doesn't mean I can't go eat somewhere else. Long John Silvers has as much to do with stealing my vote as the Republican Party does. They're not stealing anything. They're a store putting something on the menu. You either eat it, eat it, or you don't. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.